Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hello, everyone. This is Casey Stubbs with a new episode of the How to Trade a Podcast. I'm very excited to be introducing Patrick Reed, who is the co-founder of the Adamus Principle, and he's also a visiting lecturer at Cambridge. Uh, thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the How to Trade It podcast. Thank you for reaching out, and it's an absolute pleasure. And so, as I was saying earlier, I not sure where you came from, but I you showed up on my LinkedIn profile. So if anyone's here LinkedIn, we're going to make sure we get Patrick's info uh, because Patrick's always posting encouraging stories. He's posting about what life is like for real traders. He's giving us great tips. And so when I saw all of the stuff that Patrick was posting, I was like, I really need to reach out to him and get him on my show because he's got something to tell people. And so, um, Patrick, thanks for putting out all that great content and welcome to our show. And tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Casey. It's a pleasure. And um, I guess I love just keeping it real and telling the truth. And I've got a bit of a story to tell. I, I never was never cut out to be a trader. And um, I, I learned on the desk, basically. Um, I, I worked in a previous job at the BBC, um, uh, you know, television for 15 years. And I, I got to my late thirties and, um, I looked around me and I was thinking, is this it? You know, I, I, should I just retire, you know, with comfy slippers and, um, carriage clock and, you know, um, roaring fire, so to speak. Um, but no, I was like, no, I want more in life. And, you know, I, um, I was single at the time, no kids. And I thought, how am I going to like do do more with with what I've got? So I saved up a bit of money, and I, by chance, a, a friend of mine's husband, um, basically was a massive trader, futures contracts trader in the city, and and yeah, we just got talking. We went for dinner, and um, we were just discussing of all things the, the movie Wall Street, <laughs> and it was it was that a bit cheesy, but we both loved that film. And it was just like that. We were just like, look, you know, is, I asked him, is it real? Is it this? Is it that? And so he said, well, why don't you come down, take, take you to the, to the pits um, um, of futures contracts? And he gave me a great history lesson from Chicago, you know, the 80s and, and 70s. And when they, you know, commodity traders and, and, and futures and options. And, and um, I, I went to his office on near the Bank of England. And I, I heard the noise and I saw the screens and the shouting. And, um, you know, I, I was I was transfixed with that. And I was like, sign me up. I need this. Um, then I I basically started on his apprenticeship at the grand old age of 39. So did you have to um, quit your job? Were you working? And so you just yeah. one day you just told everybody that that's it. Did you give them a notice? Like, how did that work? Yeah. Yeah, I quit. <laughs> so um that was it and here's the thing right um i turned i i went i i, I saved a bit of money because you know I'm, i was i was doing okay i was like mid to senior management in the bbc and then so i i kind of i i was like i definitely need a smart suit so i went to dior and got a black suit that didn't it was a kind of slim fitting suit and i was like yeah i've got this i'm going to breathe in I'm going to look my best. I was actually thinking of getting some braces, but I thought that's a bit too much. So I got my suit, suited and booted. I rocked up on a Monday, 6.30 a.m. Everyone's wearing jeans and T-shirt. And I was like, no, what have I done? So, um, you know, I realized that um, a lot of traders don't actually wear suits. Um, often when you're client-facing, you do. And that's something I realized. But it was it was my first day. But... Um, you know, the first of many days of learning 
Um, so that, that yeah, well, you, you came in prepared at least. And so how long ago was that when you started? It was about 15 years ago. Okay. Wow. And so, um, you know, I always like to ask people how it started out and, you know, like, how did you do in the beginning? Uh, what, when you first started, what did you think? Did you ever think that, oh, this was the wrong decision? Um, you know, tell us about how some of those things went. Yeah, I cried in my first two weeks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was put on the, the, the government debt desk, um, and I was trading Bund, Tino, Gil. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't – it was – I actually – it was so much noise and lots going down, and, and the head of the desk basically threw me in um, the deep end and said, you know, what are they saying? What does that price mean? Why aren't you trading? Why are you trading? What does that mean? What's the correlation with this? Give me a bid on that. Give me an offer on that. And it was all like this relentlessly. Um, and it was just there to kind of toughen me up, really. It was tough love. Um, and I did get the old donut thrown at me when I made a mistake um, more than once. But, you know, those first that first week, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of left around 4, 4 p.m. London time and got home and uh, with with a bit of jam on me, I was like, yeah, I've made it. I've made my first week and I haven't, you know, I haven't crumbled. So, um, but the second week, I think I I, I made it a, a bit of a mistake on a trade and I just got absolutely, uh, my ears got toasted um, by the by the head of the desk. And, um, you know, I, I was like, I, that was my first kind of, major doubt so I went to the loo and you know I was just sort of I sat in a cubicle and I was like maybe this is the biggest mistake I've made in my life um I just wanted my old cozy job back um with like nice friendly people creatives nice coffee donuts you know and and um and I and then I thought no what's what am I doing um so i I dusted myself down, picked myself up and, and just got back to it and, you know, just tried harder. Um, the funny thing is one of the guys, each trader in certainly the futures, you had a nickname um, and Boise was one of the guys nickname. He wrote on a poster, on a, on a yellow post-it, um, similar to that, and he said, must try harder. And I still have that post-it note. I still have it you know, 15 years later, and I showed it to him. I went for lunch, and he's still trading, and, and I said, you remember this? And he just laughed. Um, and I, I say that in my in my post on LinkedIn, you know, I must try harder. Um, and you're always learning. This is a, such a good job. And, um, you know, slowly and surely, I, I, I survived. It was survival in the first three months. Um, but then, you know, I started to, learn about debt i started to learn about economics started to learn about price action and 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 you know became a success so uh that's really interesting i mean that that whole thing is pretty interesting because a lot of people now that are in the markets don't experience that you know the people that are listening because it's it's a really rare opportunity to be with all those traders and to be in that situation most of uh us and me and the people over listening we don't have someone yelling at us. So it seems it's like trading is already a lot of pressure as it is. And then it seems like maybe with someone yelling at you, <laughs> it would even be more pressure. Uh, I'm just used to having the, the market beat me up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is, but it isn't because, um, you know, we, I mentor people and I know that I need to toughen them up. I mean, I don't yell at them. But because of the yelling um, that I received, I know that I, I know where to be firm because basically we're here to make money and we're here to manage risk. And when you're in a situation, especially in an institution, you're doing some big size. And if you make a mistake, you, you just you're going to get carted out. So what the guy was doing um, at the time was just preventing me from being carted out having that tap on the shoulder by the risk manager going, your time's up, you know, so. And then when that happens, you're, that means you're fired. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get you get taken off the desk. Yeah, because you've, you've you've breached your margin. So that actually um, that is an extra benefit then, because you really understand the seriousness of it, and maybe some people can't just the markets. You know, the markets will teach you a lesson without having that. But that's just really helps you understand how serious this really is. Exactly, exactly. And you know, you learn from all those mistakes. Um, you know, and and look, this is a hard game. It's there's no mistake in that. Anyone that tells you different is is a liar um, or deluded. Um, it doesn't mean you can't be success. It doesn't mean you can't live the wildest dreams and and make a massive change in your journey in your career. Because I did, I have done, um, but. It's really hard work. And and the thing about it, as I always say, a guy, one of the guys, um, a lot of the spot guys from Southside, from, from Tier 1 Banks, trained me as well. And one of the guys said to me, said, look, many traders decide to be a trader because of the money, right? but few make it because they only stay because of the money. Mm-hmm. You can't have any longevity. Most of the guys I know, they're in their 50s. Right, I'm 52. Right, so you have to do it for the passion, because what happens is, like in the last three weeks, I've been on the desk 12, 14 hour days because I love it. I I dissected and digested all of the complex macro and all the permutations and the probabilities because I love the game. Now, if I don't look at my PL. I just don't, and and I and that's another thing. I, I was it was really drummed into me. Do not look at your P and L. It's about winning. It's not about making money. It's about winning. So this is really important for any new trader, any young guy coming through. Okay, I need to I, I need to understand this. Okay, so you say don't look at the P and L. Um, it's about winning. Tell me a little bit more about what that actually means. Hmm. Um, okay, so you don't look at the P and L. You don't say, I'm going to make, you know, 10 grand today. That's just, it's too emotional. It's too emotional, right? So what you say is, look, this quarter, I'm going to average like three to 400 pips a week, right? That's what you kind of say. So you say, look, you know, how's my risk reward, right? Is it three to one? Is it four to one? Or look, look at my win rate, my win loss ratio, you don't say, look, I'm going to I'm going to day trade today. I'm going to save up for a new yacht. That's just too emotional, right? Because you'll never succeed if you think like that. I'm not saying don't have an overall goal um, of where you want to be and have a goal towards that. But day in day out, you really don't. You really can't look at how much money you're earning. It's just not because you can't make informed decisions. Um, you know, I can be. Guy, one of the guys that taught me had huge swings, huge swings mornings and afternoons when London w- would would slow down and New York would open, especially on the S and P and the T note. Um, it did, didn't make any difference. Didn't make it. He he stuck to his plan. He stuck to his framework. He he took um, risk where you know he was tight aggressive. So he 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 took more risk when it was warranted and lent back when it wasn't. So overall, you know, he had a really positive yield year on year and quarter on quarter. And and that's the key thing. It's um, that I really, really encourage anyone starting out. Don't have a budget of, um, you know, don't have a budget of, of, so I need to earn this by this. It's just not going to happen. Okay. And okay, that that's pretty good. And so um so you're saying that with the emotions it can cause you to make bad decisions perhaps. And if you're just focusing on your process, you're focusing on, you know, making sure you're getting you're interpreting the information correctly, make sure you're looking at the charts correctly, entering your trades the way that you should, then everything's gonna take care of itself and the P and L, if you focus on that, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Exactly. Spot on. Definitely. 
All right. Now, um, so when you said you, you're, you're at the desk, so you're still working in the trading, whatever you call it, the, you're still there for the institution trading for a, a company or for like, who is it that you're trading for? Yeah, so I have my own company, co-founder of Edam's Principle with okay. my old boss, Adam. Um, I trade my own book, and um, you know, together we 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 help you know traders of all levels. But I'll give you an example. Um, we're open, and we may be doing some new projects in Dubai, in Dubai, with um, with some family offices. We're going to see a small hedge fund in Slovenia, and more about that another time but that's you know less than 20 mil so you know there's a guy i helped who's ex-goldman's who wants to move from options to spot um and there's you know there's a couple of scottish family offices we 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 worked with so there's that side so semi-institutional institutional but there's also you know beginners as well i mean we we vet the people that we take on but they, they need to you don't need experience, but you need to have a certain DNA, and that is curiosity. Be Sherlock Holmes, um, made of the right stuff, and be nice as well, because we have a really good family, uh, Damage Principle. So, you know, if I turn down people I work with, they made the money, but they don't have that right fit for the family. So we're all kind of in this together, and it's a really nice vibe. So, you know... I'm very lucky that I don't have to do this. I just love doing it. So yeah, you don't have to do it. You just want to do it. Yeah, (laughs) That's a great place to be. Um, So when you're looking at, when you're, when you're mentoring people, it's for the purpose of training them so that they can work for you. Is that how your mentoring works? Or do you have mentoring just for people that want to learn and they don't have to work for you? Yeah, the latter. So, so yeah, some people come, usually what we do is, Somebody will approach me. Um, we have a chat. If it's you know in Europe, we'll fly out to them. We'll, we'll go for lunch. Um, we really get to grips on what their frustrations are, what's important to them, what their challenges are. It's very much boutique, very bespoke. Um, and then they they tell us what they really want to get to, where they want to be in a, in a year or five years. Um, and we do it. We deliver. So, so we write our objectives. We both agree on that, and then we we come up with a plan. Uh, we have um, our signature, which is a one year mentoring plan. But we also come up with bespoke plans as well. Um, the, our Slovenia trip is is coming up. Um, can't really go into that too much, but that's a very bespoke plan for this for this client. Um, just to not just to educate and mentor his team, but to also provide, you know, access to, to liquidity, operational access, um, structures, frameworks, and global macro, you know, um, dollar exposure. So it really does depend, we're client driven, so it really does depend on on who it is and and, and where you want to be. But we, we also place people in prop tests as well. So long way to say it, um, we do both. Okay. Well, that's good. I, it, it, it's, I just was curious, but uh, here's what I want to really know now. Um, what are good qualities for trader? Because you have to tell people no. You say you tell people no. So two, this is a two-parter. Number one is how, what are good qualities? And number two, um, how many people do you turn away? Even if they have the money, do you turn people away if they have the money? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I would say because of the what I post on LinkedIn and me as a personality, generally I attract nice people. Which is it's not to say that I'm I'm special, but it's just <laughs> to say generally I don't attract idiots. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on Instagram. I don't really do YouTube. So, and I don't post po- photos of Lamborghinis, right? So th- that's just bizarre, that whole world. It is um, strange, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and it attracts the know, wrong exists, kind of people. It, it, exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm not doing all that. So yeah. Um, so that's a good thing. But coming back to, to what you're saying, is, I think the two things, one is um, you need grit, 
Um, you need to be Sherlock Holmes. So you need to be really curious and be like de- a, the best detective in the world. Um, and you need to be teachable. So it doesn't matter how much experience you've got, somebody knows more. And look, I learn every day. Uh, and, the, and the people that I last, no, two weeks ago, a portfolio manager, ex Morgan Stanley, um, now owns Hedge Fund, reached out to me, right? And I'm like, this person is a fixed income expert. This person is, you know, this person, I'm, but I'm going to go into it, but whatever. But this person is fay, uh, far way above my academic um, skills, right? But they reached out to me because they connected with one of my posts, right? So, and and it was about risk management and, and understanding, you know, the psychology and, and stuff like that. And, you know, the fact that trading's a lonely job. And it really touched me. And how humble this person was because this person was so above my level. But, and that's the key thing to be humble, teachable, to have grit and to think like Sherlock Holmes. Those are the qualities. And um, coming back to your other question about people turning away, I don't get many, I have to say. Um, I do get, I'd say I, I accept 10% of inquiries because most of they're, they're not, they're, they're not like idiots, but most people that come to me immediately when, you know, I'll, I'll entertain a call. If they start um, saying they've got this alchemy, this box that they, you know, they want to charge me, I immediately kind of, you know, end the call because, you know, everyone's got a box um, to, to sell. Right. So it's like um, three days ago, a guy approached me, He's been, you know, working out this genius strategy. He, he, he's been doing it for 15 years. And I said, well, why haven't you made a success? And he's like, well, I don't want anyone to steal my ideas. I mean, that kind of thing. <laughs> I can't really help them. Right. right. So you right. Know what I mean? it's like they're deluded. So, you know, I, I would say coming back to the, to the second half of your question. Um, thankfully, it's a very short amount of people. I do get a lot, large amount of inquiries, but and most of them I have to say no. But the people that do have the money, I would say um, there's, there's not there's actually not many. Putting it in a percent, I'd say ten percent. Okay, yeah, that I I, I appreciate your um, your. It's kind of like a little formula. <laughs> it's a formula for success. Teachable. Man, that's so important. And uh, being Sherlock Holmes, I like that. You, being from the UK, use the Sherlock Holmes reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Columbo. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love that. I love Columbo. Yeah, oh, he's funny. He, It's a great show. He always comes yeah. back and, um, you know, he seems like a bumbling idiot. But he actually it. knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love those qualities. Man, they're so important. I'm going to write those down uh, in the show notes for people that are listening. And here's what I recommend. Uh, and, and I'm recommending this for the people that are listening, but for myself as well. And that is um, just write those down and then think about how you have those qualities in your life and if you can develop them. Because even if you don't aren't a good trader or you you're doing something else, those qualities will will help you whatever you're doing really good qualities to develop. And, uh, that, that's, that's really good stuff. So, um, I want to talk a little bit now about trading. Um, tell me a little bit about your approach and what you have been taught as far as the approach to market. I'm sure it's a lot different than what, because you're unique background, I read a lot of stuff online and I've watched a lot of YouTube and I've done a lot of training and I've done a lot, but I would bet that uh, it's different because you have a very unique training. So I would love to hear about how you trade and approach the markets. Yeah. I mean, look, my, it's, there's more than one way, um, but I was taught um, the concepts of debt and the cost of that debt. And that really underpins much of the markets. Um, basically, you've got somebody 
that wants to give you a yield and how much you're willing to pay for that. That's essentially how things work. Um, everyone's in debt in the entire world, in both from governments to uh, central banks to sovereign wealth funds to ex-futures traders to you know anyone, every company, every corporate's in debt. So that has a cost. And uh, so there's that. That's the kind of like broad concept that I was taught from the beginning. Um, the other thing is um, really for me, everything starts with the US. And that's the, that's the engine uh, and benchmark for the entire world. Now, I, I'm pretty comfortable with Chinese macro. I'm very comfortable with UK macro. Um, I'm less comfortable with European macro. Um, I'm very comfortable with sniffing out a story, a narrative, and, and working that into my US macro picture. Um, but really, it doesn't actually matter if it's US macro, but start somewhere. And have that as your engine. Now, having the US as my engine, I lived in the States twice, so I know how it runs. I know what the people, how they tick, which really helps. But you don't have to live there um, and get really comfortable with the US macro picture. So I used to trade every single morsel of data in the US. And I know it in... I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the data in the US. So build a database of that. Look at the moves, right? We have CPI today, right? Yeah. Is that move warranted based on last month, based on the month before? Look at core, look at headline. What moves? How did it move? What, what was the dollar position before then? Did you support dollar when it went higher? All of this stuff really look at all of the correlations. How did risk play with the dollar? Did EM concur with G7? All of this stuff, right? That's how I think, right? So so have your engine, your comfort zone, which is US macro in my, in my position. And um, you don't need to look at every single derivative of inflation. You just need to look at what the Fed looks at for a start. What do they look at? They look at jobs as part of their dual mandate, and they look at inflation, right? Jobs and prices. What kind of inflation? PCE. Yeah, CPI is important, but they really look at PCE. What kind of PCE? It's core PCE. So you've got your engine, and then you've got your engine within the engine. And know that inside out, because everything else is on the side. Everything else is periphery. So you've got that, right? And when you're comfortable with at least six months of that data, you're comfortable with the trend, um, the core bits of hard data versus soft data. So you've got your surveys, your ISMs, your PMIs. You've got your hard data. You've got your GDPs, your non-farms. You've got your CPIs, your PCEs, the GDPs, yeah? Um, housing, right? You've got all that. Then... You've got a picture over six months. Record it. Record the moves. You've got a picture over six months. You are a macro expert. That's it. There's no, there's literally no one can touch you because you know the trend of the, of the important bits of data that make up the macro. You know if people are bothered, as in what did Donald Risk do on those individual prints, right? And you, and you, and you know how that is within the context of everywhere else in the globe. So by hook or crook, you are a macro expert. Now, I will be very comfortable walking into any top hedge fund bank, you know, asset manager with minimum six months data and being very comfortable in expressing my macro view in uh, on the US. And that's what I encourage Anyone can do it. Doesn't mean you're going to be a level like me or whoever, but start recording the data and the moves because essentially it's about the reaction function to those, to that data. And that's the key thing. Hey. 
Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset, and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. So that's okay. So that's how you break into your training is macro. Um, and I, I have some, some questions on that. Um, now you do the, but I want to kind of clarify a little bit more too, before I get there. Um, so with the macro, as far as trading it, how do you trade? If you have a macro understanding and you have the data, how do you trade that? Cause you have to know when to enter and exit trades. Yeah. So I used to day trade in futures. So I, I know all about that. You can do lots of things. Um, if you're going to go with it, if, if you're going to trade live, then you need score, right? So that's instant. You're going to miss the first move, right? But if it's way above um, expectation, you'll get a sustained move. So there's a number of tactical ways to trade that. So, um, Usually we do it with levels and we do actual versus expectation. Never trade previous. Doesn't doesn't wash, right? It's all about what is the market expecting versus what when you say actually. never trade previous, what do you mean? So some people come to me and they go, Oh yeah, um, okay, CPI expectation eight point one, previous eight point five or whatever it was. No doesn't matter what he did last month. It literally doesn't. That's for Bloomberg News. That's for Reuters. That's not going to move it. It, it, like it, it could have been 15% last month, right? If it's 8 point, if the expectation is 8.1, right, and it comes in at 8.5 or whatever, dollars going higher. doesn't matter. It came down from 15 last month. So previous is just not. You don't even look at it. Okay, so you're using the the macro picture. You're not looking at the previous. You're looking at the at the expectation and what it actually comes in at, and then you're using levels. Um, are you talking about like weekly support levels, or, or when you say you're using levels or resistance levels? Um, yeah, I I use daily and four hour. Okay. Um, yeah, and usually if I I'm comfortable with the ranges of that data release, and um, when it does come out, I'm pretty comfortable in. I used to be good at fading, so this is the other thing that I learned because I was a bit older. Um, there were like twenty or twenty-one year old kids around me. They were very quick off the mark, so they would get on the news or get on the data, and I would literally be like a second later. I'd be like. Buy, yeah, and 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 that would kill me. So I stopped pressing buy and sell on a data release. I stopped. I literally sat on my hands and I faded it. And for those who don't know what fade is, fade is basically going against what the market's doing. And usually, I would lean into a technical level. I quite like fibs, but I'd lean into that level and then trade off it. But usually, usually daily or four hourly. Okay, well, that actually works out really well um, for today's trade, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it yeah. just – so we had 8.1 was the expectation. It came out 8.2, and um, I'm talking CPI. And so yeah. that caused a big spike in the dollar strength. And uh, I was trading the euro dollar, and it did 
it it moved big time, but then it went right into a really important level, which was a, a daily level. Um, I can't remember the price because I'm not looking at the chart right now, but it went right to that level, and then it just bounced hard. Okay, yeah. so when you say fading, that's what you're talking about, right? And I want to I want to ask specifically: was the reason that fade happened because that the the reaction was too much? For that small deviation, yeah, one of the reasons definitely. And uh, was that uh, so? So that when you're looking at a fade, okay, so you get a reaction like that. What are you thinking? Like, kind of walk me through your thought process even today. When you saw that big move and you saw the deviation, were you thinking that that was an overreaction? What was your thought process to, for today's price action? Yeah, look, it was point one out. It was just an overreaction. I know how much these things move. Um, when we're 0 0.2, 0 0.3 out, so why would it move this much on only 0 0.1? That was that was really. I know, I know the ATR is around 80 pips on euro dollar. Hey, I mean, you know, moving it close to the ATR is like, well, how much more juice is in there? Um, that said, we did have a bit of Russian news. That helped, <laughs> right? That helped the trade. It really did help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, even if. if Let's put the Russian news aside. Um, even if we didn't have that, I'd certainly be looking to, to you know, fade that move because it well, it was overdone in my view. Okay. Now, part of what I was thinking was that okay, we do have you know inflation's worse. It was the year over year was worse, month over month was worse. So that means that current and current numbers are bad and yearly numbers are bad. I'm thinking, well, that means the Fed's going to raise rates again. And so that, you know, that's going to cause more dollar strength, right? So that's what I was thinking. I wasn't mm. thinking the Fed, so, or the, the fade, because I'm thinking, okay, this is not good. Mm. Well, um, the, the, the key thing to remember, which is more coming into the debt and rates and fixed income side, um, what you also have to ask yourself is, is that bit of data enough to move the Fed? Is it enough to change their mind? Is it enough to, for them to get even more aggressive? Is it enough for them to pivot and reverse? That's the other question. So the things I look at are two-year. I look at terminal rate and I look at swaps. So what I would say, the terminal rate in the US is about 4.5%. Uh, the two-year is, you know, around similar, around 4%, I think, last time I looked. So you're thinking that the two-year yield is a good proxy for interest rates overnight, Fed fund futures, right? So it's the most sensitive, it's the most manipulated, and it's the most, um, you know, telling on, on any future Fed hikes or cuts, so how much more juice has that got? If the terminal rate is four and a half and the two years four and some change, it's like, well, how much more dollar upside is there? Now, if the terminal rate increases, that's a different story. But at the moment, terminal rate is around four and a half. So I would bear that in mind with, with your dollar reaction. So... You know, and there, there is another story about front loading and jumbo hikes and it being a mistake. There is another story about FX intervention. Now, the Bank of England and the Bank of Japan had to intervene. So we're kind of getting dollar mm. at stretch levels. So if those other things happen, then that's going to be a big move on a, a dollar weakness, right? Like if, if we see some of those intervention things kick in. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And those are kind of the, the they're kind of like the sideshows yeah. that really support the fade that I'm doing. So they're like, look, and and you know, if I'm thinking that, then then banks are thinking that, hopefully, right? <laughs> and and the hedge funds and sovereigns are, are thinking that. Something. Well, okay, yeah, we get the move, we get it, but let's take a bit of profit. So you, I always try and put myself in the other, like the opposing, the counterparty's view. If you're if you're on the trade and you've bought dollar and you're happy there's your 80 pips on side, shouldn't you want to take profit? Where do you think you would want to take profit? 
maybe here. And that's where I get in fate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that no, that's that's good. Thinking of where they're at. Now, um when you were saying the 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 deviation, was it enough to cause the Fed to pivot? And so what you meant by that was they already have a, a strategy in play and they're gonna stick with it because that deviation isn't enough. But if it was like a bigger deviation, perhaps the Fed would like then question their own strategy and say, we need to make a bigger move than what we had originally planned. Is that kind of what you're thinking there? Exactly. Exactly what I'm thinking. Okay. Wow. This is, this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Uh, (laughs) This is, this is in-depth stuff and I thank you for sharing. I'm, I, I love it. Um, so I'm going to hit with one more question and then we're going to just, I want to talk about, you know, some of the stuff you're doing, but, um, with this data, you know, how do you build a six month data bank? Like, what are you doing? How do you build a macro picture? Where do you get the data from? Where do you put it? Do you put it in your brain as it go on a, in a, notepad like how do you do that like where do you get the data and what do you do with it Hmm. yeah you reach out on me uh to me on linkedin i'll show you for that for one i'll do it free oh wow Um, okay (laughs) no problem no problem um i'll give you a little uh taster you build it in excel you build tabs and you you just build it yourself and i can show you my template no problem and i'll do that free for all your listeners and, and viewers and no, no problem at all. It's basically in the old days, we had the old fashioned diaries and we used to write in every single release of what the market reacted to. And my old pit boss had like 16 years of this. Um, and the wonders of Excel took that over. So essentially um, you, 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 you get your mostly Forex factory. That's fine. But what I like to do is um, if you don't have the luxury of Bloomberg or Reuters or Squawk, then you can get it from BLS or BEA. They're, they're the main two sources in the US. In the UK, it's ONS. Just, just Google it. Um, and and those are the main ones. But BLS and BEA, um, they're... they're they're the main ones in the US. Okay, well that's that's good. And so so you you write it in spreadsheet, you keep track of it, and then from that you develop a strategy, a macro strategy on how you're looking to trade. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I would say is build when you build your database, it's not just for trading. It's just a small part of it. Obviously, we trade at the front end of it and we need intel. But that database is, is like gold. It's a comforting blanket because it gives you a lot of things. And one of those things is the macro picture. Um, the the reaction function to that macro picture. So what is dollar doing? Let's just say from now and three months, um, every single bit of data in the US is exploding, right? CPI comes off, PCE comes off a bit, GDP's on a roll, right? You've got jobs, you're hitting five, 600K, you've got wages, you know, an extra 0.2 every every month. We've got CPI calming down, equities are on fire. Um, it's all, the, the engine's roaring, right? 
ISM, so you've got future, the future surveys are exploding to so 65, 67s. Imagine that scenario. If dollar's not reacting, that tells you more than if it is. Right? So no one's bothered. So you can walk into any shop. And if you talk to an economist, they'll be like, everything's beautiful. There's no problem. But if you talk to a trader, <laughs> hold on a minute, something smells. And it smells like a rat. This should not be doing this. Right. So the reacting function is very important. So when you come in with your data, with your six months, you're basically going, yeah, fine, rosy. The macro picture is rosy, but no one cares. And that's the problem. That's, that's the underlying problem. So you look under the bonnet of the car and you're actually saying, well, actually, if the dollar can't go high on good news, it has to go lower on bad news. So it's like, well, so, so that in itself, you, you've got your data, you've got the reaction function and you've got the trend and you've got that in context with all of the other countries and you're, you're like, okay, well, that tells you a hell of a lot. So, so it's just that, but also trading it as well. Okay. Wow. That's good. So do you have time for one more question? Of course. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I've gone a little bit over today, uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying myself a lot. Um, do you develop a, do you get connected emotionally or politically with any of these decisions? Cause I, I know when we were having our pre-conversation, you made some political comments. Cause like what I'm saying is you're trading, your job is to identify data, not necessarily to relate with what some of the decision-making is happening. Like, let's say, you know, the Bank of England is doing something that you think is ridiculous and that it could be really damaging to the economy. Uh, do you get involved with that at all? Do, does it emotionally impact you? Do you think, do you have an idea of what could be the right decision and maybe they're making the wrong decision? Uh, how do you approach that? Um, okay. So I do get emotional because it's P&L. I don't look at my P&L, but I know when I'm having a bad run, which I do have, um, it hurts. I'm not, anyone that says you've got to be scientific, you've got to be a robot, they've never run a lot of size, right? I have, and I do. So that's emotional. It gets emotional. Um, I've got the toolkit. Um, that, I've, that I've used through 15 years of doing it um, to deal with it, right? So I've got my toolkit and, I, and that kicks in. So there's that. But I don't get political. I sit on the fence because I have to. I make more money. Now, I can very, uh, very um, clearly um, criticise the Bank of England, the Chancellor, the government, because the bond market told me it's that simple. If the bond market didn't do what it did and investors didn't flee from the guilt market, I wouldn't be saying that. Um, and the market will will give me my view. It's that simple. So, um, you know, whether they're doing a good job or not, I don't get involved. It, it really doesn't, you know, um, an, an old um, Goldman's um Spot guy said to me once, what was it? He said, um, we don't ask as to why all we do is sell and buy. That is what I learned over the years. And, and, and that's what I try to continue to do. That's really good. Well, uh, Patrick, thank you for sharing this just wealth of knowledge. So appreciative. And the audience is gonna love it too um tell us a little bit about how they can connect with you if some of the stuff sounds interesting if they're really serious about going in depth with trading and they want to reach out to you um tell us a, about you know some of the things that you're working on and how they can connect with you absolutely the first port of call is linkedin i blog there every day um i've got details about all of our mentoring plans and they can obviously, um, you know, I'll leave you the link on LinkedIn. You, you reached out to me. So um, if you can leave that link, that'd be great. Um, there is also the website as well, adamusprinciple.com. Um, and they can, you know, fill out the contact form. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn every day. So, and I'm very approachable. 
so i'm i'm you know i've got about nine thousand followers and i'm i'm quite active in my market view as well so um you'll find me there most days so please do reach out and um you know one of our signature programs is our one year absolute mentoring program and what they get for that is is access to me every day um they get taught macro risk and technicals um we place people in prop desks and um we teach them how to trade basically and that's through my own 15 years experience but the guys that taught me 35 years so up to 50 years experience in in spot in in tier one banks books or hedge funds and asset asset managers well patrick thank you so much (laughs) um i think i'm going to take advantage of your uh linkedin and uh, i'll be reaching out to you (laughs) regularly and um i think uh the audience if you guys are are interested in trading go check out the resources uh patrick's linkedin will be on here it'll be in the description so make sure you check it out and uh, his website will be there as well and uh just if you're interested and you want to be successful and you want to be great and you're curious and you're teachable go go the distance and figure this out you know it's not it's not impossible you can do it just make it happen. And, you know, part of the thing, great thing about this show that you're listening to is that we're providing resources for you. We're talking to great people like Patrick. We do this every week. And so uh, you're listening. Take advantage of it. Don't just listen, but actually do something. And, uh, you know, the re- we're trying to give you these resources. So uh, that's it for this episode. Patrick, thank you. Uh, we'll see everyone on the next episode of the How to Trade It podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.